I love reading romance, even with my mom. Historical, paranormal, a good rom com. We both like a grump, an alpha, and a beard. But reading with my mom, well, it gets kind of weird. I'm reading steamy scenes, getting bothered and hot. But if mom is asking, I read it for the plot. We look for swoony scenes, those moments that delight. Communication's good, and the banter's so right. So if you'd like to read along and join the group, here's a little secret I'll let you into the loop. It's just a little show that we like to dub, not your mom's romance book club. Welcome to the club that sure is not your mom's romance book club, but it is my mom's. I'm Ellen, and joining me as always is my mom. Hi mom, how's it going? Hi Ellen. Going good. Good. Today we are chatting about No Words by Meg Cabot, but first, Mom, what have you been reading and watching? Well, reading, I did um, finish The Art of Theft by Sherry Thomas, which is a Lady Sherlock book, so that's number four. Mm -hmm. I think there's six altogether, so um, I'm enjoying that series, and other than that, I just read this book, Yes, No Words. Um, we have been watch. I haven't read anything. No, you haven't. I've been, I've been doing this lesson planning assessment for teachers and it's making me want to. I have been listening to Ellen Vent quite a bit. <laughs> Rude! <laughs> but yes, you have. <laughs> um, because I'm slowly going insane. Um, in my free time... We've been watching murder shows because my dad's been out of town yes. for quite a few days. Yes, we have. And um, we also started watching, because I got a Discovery Plus subscription, so we've also, so mainly so that we could watch more murder shows, but also um, I've been like jonesing for some home renovation shows, and so we watched some of this show called um, Main cabin masters where they restore like old cabins in the state of Maine. And, um, we used to live in the state of Maine. Mom has very fond memories of, of it. <laughs> I think they're repressed. Yeah. But, <laughs> well, we lived in like North. I mean, we were looking at it because I was very young when we lived there and we lived literally 10 minutes from Canada. Yeah. Like that's how far North Maine. And we're we kind of up in the Top. So we were like 10 minutes from Canada on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. So like up in the top point of Maine. So if we went north, we hit Canada in just a little bit. And if we went east, east we, we hit, hit Canada. Canada in just a little bit. Yeah. So we were very um, non-pretty Maine. That's what and I tell people we used to live in Maine. They're like, oh, I hear it's gorgeous. And I'm like, yeah, I think there are parts of it that are gorgeous. Well, it was pretty for the, you know, two months out of the year that there weren't wasn't snow on the ground. Anyway, so we were watching the show, and it's it's pretty fun, um, but mainly it just kept making Mom mad because she's like, that is not the Maine that I knew. And well, well, they keep saying, we go to the northest part of Maine. I'm like, no, you do not. <laughs> I know for a fact you don't go up there. Um, so. Unless I hear the words Aroostook County, yeah. I do not believe that you are in the northernest part of Maine. Um, we also, I also want to give a shout out because it's somewhat like romance adjacent to, um, there was an SNL skit in this week's episode <laughs> called Sexual Woman. And, um, it's basically A.D. Bryant wanting to like fulfill her every like SNL fantasy of being perceived not as like a 
teacher or an old mother or something like that, but to be perceived as a sexual woman with by Oscar Isaac, and um, it's it's pretty funny. It it's, is pretty funny. Um, and I just see. I think it's kind of romance adjacent, right? Definitely. Um, yeah, pretty. It's funny. got a great catchphrase. If you watch it, yeah, <laughs> we appreciated the catchphrase. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm gonna start saying the catchphrase to my dog. <laughs> uh, okay. So today we are chatting about No Words by Meg Cabot. It is the third book in her Little Bridge Island series. I didn't realize that, and I was trying to think, okay, so the sheriff and his wife must have a book. Yes, that's book two. And I'm trying to think There's, else. I don't, I think I looked up who the... Did they leave? Yeah, I, I think maybe they get a brief mention, but I looked up the names of, uh, of who... They are, and I was like, I don't remember reading about any of those people. Um, huh. But did you, well, this is pre, I don't usually ask questions pre, but um, did you feel like the n- being lost or at all or anything like Not that? Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. It was easy to read as a standalone. <clears throat> um, let's see. Book one is about Bree. And Drew Hartwell. Oh. So he's... He shows up as the bus driver for a yes. short, hot minute. Yes. And I think he's like uh, the sheriff's brother or something like that, right? Yeah, and I think he might be a deputy. Yeah. Um. Anyway. There you go. Okay. Because I didn't... So, I couldn't figure out who the other book would be about. I yeah. figured the sheriff and his wife had one. Yes, their book too. Um, okay, here's the back cover description for this book, book three, called No Words. Joe Wright always swore she'd never step foot on Little Bridge Island, not as long as her nemesis, best-selling author Will Price is living there. Then Joe's given an offer she can't refuse, an all-expense-paid trip to speak and sign at the island's first-ever book festival. And a pretty hefty signing uh, Yeah, seriously. Fee. But... Even though arrogant Will is the last person Joe wants to see, she could really use the festival's more than generous speaking fee. Oh, there we go. Uh, she's suffering from a crippling case of writer's block on the next installment of her best-selling children's series, and her father needs financial help as well. Then Joe hears that Will is off-island on the set of the film of his next book, Hallelujah. But when she arrives on Little Bridge, Joe is in for a shock. Will is not only at the book festival, but seems genuinely sorry for his past actions and more than willing not only to make amends, but prove to Joe that he's a changed man. Things things seem to be looking up until disaster strikes, causing Joe to wonder, do any of us ever really know anyone? Mom. What did you think of No Words? No Words. I liked it okay. It's not a love. Yeah. Um, And I'm sure we'll get into it. And it'll sound, as we talk about it, it'll sound like I hated every minute of it. And that's not true. I just tend to focus on things that bothered me. Correct. So I'm going to say at the outset, I liked it okay. Yes. Now, I'm going to tear it apart. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. It's also just... A like for me. Um, I mean, and a lot of that like, I think, is um, out of pure nostalgia for reading a Meg Cabot. Cabot once again. Is this your first ever Meg Cabot book that you've read? It might be. I'm trying to think if I ever read Princess Diaries. I don't think I ever did. I don't think you did. Um, Seems like I'd remember that. Anyway, I... 
I did. I was, I did an experiment to see how many Meg Cabot books I have read. She has 90 books on her, like, oh my gosh. <laughs> books list. Um, I have not read 46 of those. Is she 110? How does she write so many books? So I've, I've read half, essentially. <laughs> um, but, uh, I think I've read the, like, I think you have a problem is what I think. Listen, I mean. A reading problem. I used to, you used to buy every book that Make Habit ever well came out I remember, with. I remember going to the bookstore and just looking for pink covers. <laughs> um, I devoured that uh, Princess Diaries series and pretty much everything she wrote after that. She also had a really great Mediator series um, and a like President's Daughter series. I don't remember what that one's called. All American or something. I loved her books. And I still like the So her writing style holds a very special, like nostalgic place in my heart. Um, so part of, I mean, part of the enjoyment in reading this for me was, you know, like, it's like, you know, getting back with an old friend and, you know, getting to hang out. Um, but plot wise, um, I have some quibbles <laughs> and, um, character wise, I will say like is probably my biggest quibble. Um, but it's fun. It's, it's fine. It was fun. It was a fast read. It was very fast read. I read a, it literally in one sitting in like a four hour sitting. Literally what we'd call one of our, cause very low angst. Yes. Uh, uh, literally what we'd call one of our palate cleansers. It's... Yeah. Um, no fake dating. No fake dating. So there, there's a plus right there yeah. in, in the plus column. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Yeah. It just... It was a like. Yeah. Same. Um. Okay. What did you think of Joe as our heroine? Okay. Well, we're going to start right off because this is where I had most of my quibbles. Same. <laughs> um, first of all, right off the bat with the whole premise of why she was mad at... Um, what was his name? Will. Will. <laughs> I, it would have come to me eventually, but I didn't want to wait around. Yeah. Um, the reason she was married at, mad at Will, because he dogged, what, dogged her books or her writing or children's literature or something. And my first thought was, if you're a professional writer, you, you need to get over the fact when people dog your books. I mean. Especially, I mean, I get the, like, righteous anger. Um but I think especially as a romance or children's author or anything like that, you just have to expect that there are pretentious... Well, especially if you write a book about cats. Yeah. Not even... It's like anthropomorphic cats yeah. who, you know... I mean, it sounds cute and, like, it would be a fun, cute kid series, but... You need to understand that that's not going to be accepted as highbrow literature by these, like, pretentious writers. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of pretentious writers. And they are going to... all of them. And they are going to think that they write true art and people who write, you know, even fantasy or, you know, whatever, mystery novels or anything like that, they're going to look at that as drivel. And you just have to accept that that's how people feel and... You can go on a Twitter tirade about how they're wrong and all that stuff, but you just have to kind of like haters gonna hate. Yeah, and so that I admit I and I could get her being irritated about it, but for her to want to go out and you know crush him seemed over the top to me. 
So yeah. I had a hard time getting behind all that. And that made Joe a little... Unlikable. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think... I don't even have a... Pro- I mean, yes, I agree that, like, I thought... But I understood, like, being angry and, like, wanting her sweet revenge. But as soon as he apologized... It should have been over. It should have been over. And she kept, like, wanting these, this grand excuse and this grand um, reason for... Well, even after he explains everything to her, there's one... in, And it's almost like, was this an editing mistake? Because she's having a conversation with Bernadette and she's like, no, I haven't forgiven him because he still hasn't given me a good explanation. It's like, that's what that all was. He gave you the explanation. Well, because she kept saying, like, well, okay, because I think the placement of that was prior to when he explained that he, that no. his sister, was no. it after? It was after he had explained everything to her on the boat, and then mm-hmm. her and Bernadette were having, in fact, it was right after he explained everything to her on the boat, and they were getting ready to go out to dinner that night, and... Well, because here's what the series of events was. So he apologizes to her and he says, um, I'm sorry, I had just gone through like a really upsetting experience and I was not thinking when I said that to the reporter. She should have said, okay, we're cool professionally. I can get like not wanting to be his best friend after that, but she needed to just kind of be professional and let it go. understand that people have off days. Yeah. And then... My, like, most infuriating moment was when she goes to the other authors and um, she's like, can you believe him? Like, he says, you know, that he was having an off day or something and said something. So I need to figure out what it is that was, like, does anybody know about anything that happened to him? Did anybody die? Whatever. And Kelly Jean, who's one of the other authors and is kind of like this flighty, you know, mystical author. Yeah, essentially. And um, she says... You just need to drop it. That's his private life. If he's keeping it private, it's for a reason. And she's like, but I deserve an excuse. And Kelly Jean's like, no, you don't. Drop it. <laughs> and, and some of the other authors were even like, yeah, you do. You deserve, you should go. I was like, no, you no, don't. Be you an don't. adult. Like, yeah, he seriously. apologized. And yeah, I get still having, like, hurt feelings about it. But, like, she, I don't know, just, like, her whole, like, um feeling like she was owed something was kind of annoying. And then, so then that's when they start making out on the boat. Well, bef- before they start making out, he explains to her about yeah. his sister and her reading yes. problems and her getting, and know, that's what had, her out of her and school. he had just and- found out about that. And so, and then that's when she has the conversation with Bernadette. And, but then after that, she's like, and can you believe that he just left when, he had just found out his sister had dys- dyslexia. And it's like, okay, that's unfair. Well, and you're not going to fix that in, yeah. a, in a night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In a weekend. And, you know, this is something she's, I mean, I I agree. Like, yeah, he, and he wanted to be there for her, he but he had that I really didn't want to, but I was obligated to go do this yeah. and I didn't want to get bad press. And I don't know. I was, so like all of her stuff, I was just like, girl, you need to grow up. And get over it. Yeah. And not be such So there were a, a lot of things she did that made that I found off putting. But um yeah. I thought he was delightful. Oh, you haven't gotten to him yet. Sorry. Mom, what did you think of Will as our hero? I thought he was delightful. 
liked Will and I got where he was came, coming from and I understood. I got where he was coming from except for liking her as much as he did. Yeah. I don't, I didn't get that either. And, and obviously from the book he wrote, he liked her like right away because mm-hmm. he only knew her for like an hour. They talked for an hour before he, they went and did the thing at that last convention. And, um, I did. Okay. In, in fairness to her, um, I did want to know what a better understanding of what the chain of events was for him. Like where did talking to the reporter fall between finding out that his sister had dyslexia and going to the event. Because think about it. So he finds out that his sister has dyslexia before the event. And then he has this very nice, friendly, cordial conversation with her where he supposedly, like, forms a pretty serious crush on her. Correct? Right. And then he talks to a reporter and, like, completely trashes her. Well, I think part of it is from, uh, I think he was pissed off at the school system or whatever for his sister getting as far as she did without being able to read. And so I think he kind of took that out on children's literature for some reason. But also, the whole through the whole book, he had a real hard time expressing his feelings in words. And, right. and I kind of understood it was easier for him to write mm-hmm. than to speak things because sometimes things come to you better when you're writing things out yeah. than when you're talking to someone. I think mm-hmm. people just have, you know, whatever things going on in their brain. And um, and I think he just said the wrong thing at the wrong time. It might have even been blown out of proportion or misconstrued because she, she said he wrote it in the New York Times. So he obviously was just talking to a reporter and then the reporter went and wrote in the New York Times. And, you know, they've been known to blow things out of proportion when things were said a certain way or... Yeah, I don't... I, I mean, not the New York Times just in general, but any... You know, so I was kind of, I was only sort of with her in like wanting more clarification as to, I I guess I wanted a better understanding because I was, you know, usually on his side in this, in this situation, but wanting a little bit more clarification as to how that comment came about. Well, I think she would have eventually gotten that from him. I think he would have eventually explained all that to her. But I don't think at the point where their relationship was, she needed more of an explanation than what he'd given her. Because I think he'd get, he'd explained it all to her. He just hadn't given her the nitty gritty, you know, I don't know what was going on in my head. I said this and then they wrote it down I guess like, like I just kept ex- I just kept expecting some conversation where he says, like, I said this and they misconstrued it that way. Or, um... I, that was part of a larger conversation or something so that it kind of, or maybe they had like an odd, or he found out something new about his sister's situation that kind of made him, I don't know. Do you know what? I, I wanted, I get it. I wanted something between them having this magical moment and him trashing her book. Well, regardless, once he apologized, it should have just been. I agree. No, I agree. I'm just, I'm saying that for their relationship, for their relationship and for, you know, purposes of having like full disclosure. Yeah, exactly. Um, but he did sound very dreamy and he was sweet with his sister and he was and British accent, British accent and pretty swoony from the sounds of it. Um, I will say, uh, because he's kind of painted as this, 
Nicholas Sparks type character who writes these really dreary quote unquote romance books. <laughs> romance with tragedy in them. But you know, they can't be called romance because um, no men don't write romance, men write literary fiction or whatever the hell, you know, that <laughs> whole argument is. Um but um and and she sort of she sort of does like a a fairly coherent job at this, but I wanted more of him defending his writing because throughout the book work, I mean, his writing is kind of ridiculed and, um, painted as shitty for lack of a better word. By her. By her. I mean, and obviously people like it because they, I know, but you know, sold a like, gazillion books. especially if, since this is for the, you know, real romance genre, essentially, um, and romance readers in general tend to not like Nicholas Sparks. I felt like he needed some sort of vindication on, and you know, she, I, she does some of that with um, kind of his defense of his female characters and things like that. Um, but like the fact that he has that quote from the book where it's like describing her pert breasts that don't yeah. need a bra and stuff, and like. Okay, yeah, that is written by a man. <laughs> um, I don't know. Do you know what I mean by yeah, that? Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. I didn't walk away from the book thinking there was his writing was all that great, even with the snippets no. from the book that I got. Correct. Correct. Um, I walked away from the snippets of the book thinking that you know he was pretty into her if that was autobiographical, and maybe that's all their purpose was. But I don't know. I wanted, like, some more defense of his writing. I, I get that. Either from him or someone. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, kind of tied to this and also just kind of more a fun question. And maybe we'll have to, like, pose this on the group as well. What was one of the first chapter books that you remember reading? Okay. I know this one. Um, when I was a girl, like little. Mm-hmm first or second grade, my father read to me and my sisters The Little Cabin in the Big Woods mm -hmm. by Laurie Ingalls Wilder. And then he read aloud to us The Little House on the Prairie by Laurie Ingalls Wilder. So he read those two books aloud to us, and then I went on and finished the series on my own. So in second grade, I read On the Banks of Plum Creek and then finished the series. So in second grade, I that was my first chapter book series that I read on my own was The Little House on the Prairie, which I guess... Now makes me racist, but I didn't think I was at the time. <laughs> yeah, surprised you didn't know that. Um, hate to break you too, but you were. Um, just kidding. Um, I and I remember you reading those. I remember you reading. I read some, something to you. You just didn't get as into it as I was. No, you read. Um, but I remember you reading. Uh, I think it was the Big Cabin, Little, little House, Little oh. Cabin, Big Woods. Um, I think you read that one to me and I, while I did not get as into that series as you did, I do think, remember that like kind of setting off my wanting to read chapter books. It just manifested differently <laughs> because <laughs> I then got, um, I wasn't as into Babysitter's Club, uh, like the OG unleaded. I was into the babysit the little sisters babysitters, babysitters club, club books 
Um, which... Well, I made the mistake of telling Ellen I'd pay her yeah. five, $5 for each yeah. chapter book. Yeah. I had to res- rescind that. <laughs> yeah. She did. She never rescinded it for my brothers because she only, like, lost out on, like, five bucks total <laughs> for that deal. Um, but for me, she did because I would plow through those suckers. Like, you would do one a day. Business. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like, the next chapter books that I really remember devouring were the Princess Diaries books. Yeah. So, um, I was... Yeah, I was always into the kind of more girly books with crushes and things like that. Well, I remember when Ellen was in first grade, her teacher called me and said um, they want to put Ellen in a special reading class where she gets, you know, one-on-one attention with a reading aid. And I said, oh, is there something wrong? And, and her teacher said to me, she says, I don't really see it, but I guess you took some test and didn't do great. Here's what happened. Great. I don't want to hear it. Let me tell my story, and then you can <laughs> do whatever it is you're going to do. And so I said, does she really need it? And, teacher, and her teacher said, I don't really see it, but she's going to get one-on-one help with, a, with an aide, and they're willing to do that, so just let her do it. You know, it's not going to hurt her. And I said, okay, sure, whatever. And um, so, you know, her struggling reading was not really such a struggle because, you know, few months later she was plowing through these books here's what i think the situation was i think that that test was administered in some way that i could not see because i was not wearing glasses and i should have been whatever i think we've told this story before but (laughs) um here's the deal when i was a kid i kept coming to mom and saying mom i think i need glasses and mom kept saying ah nah you're fine well i thought because she had friends that wore glasses and I wore glasses and she was surrounded by all these people who wore glasses. So I thought, well, I just wants to wear glasses like everybody else because she's, you know, shallow. Like <laughs> Unoriginal. <that. laughs> um, but I kept coming. And then the school did an eye no. exam. Okay. Okay. No. no. Wait. No. no. Shush. <laughs> the school did an eye exam. I thought, oh, if there's a problem, the school's going to let me know. And, and I they remember, never did. And I remember coming home and you saying, how did you do on your eye test? And I was like bawling and I said, I did horrible and you were like ah well they'll tell me if she did horrible they didn't so that's on them what the hell was that for and then um and then you freaking took the crowbar out of your wallet that wasn't even existing (laughs) we had insurance it wouldn't even cost us anything (laughs) so mom was like well we have insurance so i'll take her in and you know get her eyes tested we go in and you know the guy pulls up the you know eye chart where its first line is this ginormous e and you're supposed to tell which way it's going and you know he says okay can you tell me which way it's pointing and i'm like no i can't read it and mom just looks at me she's like you can read that ellen tell him what it says <laughs> and i'm like i don't know what it says i thought she was making it up <laughs> can't trust her <laughs> Apparently not. Apparently you had trust issues. Anyway, okay, you got your glasses. Everything's fine. You're reading, you know, maniac. So move forward and stop boohooing. But that is just a story about what a terrible mom mom is. I'm sure we could go on and on about what a terrible mom I am. Um, Okay, so that's our reading experience. Maybe we'll have to pose a, you know... A question on the group because we've always asked what's your gateway into romance, but just what what was what your, was your, your memories of your gateway into reading being and a reader? Because I know we have a lot of avid readers. Yeah. So what made you? An well, avid and I reader? definitely do think there's 
correlation between, um, cause I don't know. I don't, you don't hear about too many people who become avid readers late in life. A lot of the avid readers are avid readers in their infancy, you know? <laughs> not, well, you know not when you're an infant, but, um, in their ch- early even, childhood. I mean, I read a lot, you know, I read those books. I remember reading, you know, in high school, I read a ton of books in high school and, yeah, same. you know, I don't think there's a lot of kids these days in high school that are big readers, but I, no, I that's not true. You can't say that because there's, I mean, like you go on the book talk and it's all teenagers talking about books that they're reading. Well, good. God bless you. Yeah. The, um, but I remember sitting in algebra with a book in my algebra book reading Amityville Horror. I, and I was all over the place with my reading. And then when I got to college, I read like Ken Follett and, um, different books like that. And I went through a Stephen King phase. I went through a Dean Koontz phase. And, um, you know, it was just truly all over the place. Do you want to know what books I was reading in my chemistry book? No, I don't want to know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to know. We've had this discussion before. There were books I was passing. Like, I remember letting my friend in chemistry borrow um, Can You Keep a Secret by uh, Sophie Kinsella, which we've read on the podcast. Um, But, yeah, there was... There was a few books that you would not have been happy with well, me. Well, I was about. not reading those books in high school. No, you were I not. I did read, like, Go Ask Alice and some of the controversial ones from from the 70s. Yes, I went to high school in the 70s. Yes, you and, did. And um, late so, 70s. Some of those were a little only better. Some of those were a little dicey. It was late 70s. I graduated in 79. So there's that. That's my age. There you go. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not one to, <laughs> I'm 60. I'm not one to hide my age. I don't I'm really care. 60. I'm 60. Um... Okay, we kind of already, I have a question about talking about the premise, because we are still talking about this book, by the way. Wait, we Um, read a book? (laughs) uh, But we kind of already talked about everything I wanted to talk about here, about whether or not you're Team Joe or Team Will in the... Team Joe or Team... Oh, definitely Team Will. Yeah. I mean, I felt bad that he, like, screwed up and then felt bad about it. Had to write a whole book to to get her to forgive him. Had to pay a lot of money... Because I have a feeling that the whole conference that he put together was just so he could get her there yeah. to apologize to her. And I think he spent a lot of money on that yeah. thing. So, yeah. I uh, I don't know. I, I kind of I wonder how, mu- how much an author like that could really be like. I don't know. He has, it seems like he has a lot of pull in this little area that he's from that and i was even like Not how from. did this little tiny island get you know these mainstream authors to come and do a conference him yeah sounds like it sounds like um okay i loved speaking of that i loved the setting and the cast of characters um what did you make of that aspect of the book i did like um well we weren't supposed to like garrett so i didn't like garrett yeah we're gonna talk about garrett but continue okay um I liked the little fangirly girls. I liked um, little teenage girls. That was a little con- disconcerting at first. I was a little worried about where that was going. Yeah. <laughs> but it turned out okay. And um, But even then, it was a little weird to have these teenage girls just around all the time, around all these adults. Mm-hmm. That would be... I don't know that that's a good situation. Yeah. But I did like um, Franny and Saul. I did. And Bernadette and Jerome. Kelly and Jean. Kelly Jean. And seems like I'm missing one. Um, 
But I liked all the authors. I thought they were a lot of fun. Um, and it made me really... First of all, it, like... Because we've been to a couple book conventions and things like that. And I was like, oh, I, I want miss, COVID yeah. to be done <laughs> so that, like, we can go back to book conventions. Um, they'll come back around. And uh, also it made me, like, want to go to the Florida Keys. And it kept making me sing off the Florida Keys. <laughs> a little place called Kokomo. Um because that's my main point of reference for the phrase Florida Keys. <laughs> um, but it made me really want to go visit this Little Bridge Island, which I'm assuming is a fake place. I'm assuming it is as well. <laughs> um, and I don't know. It was, it was a cute... I don't know a lot about the Florida Keys, but my guess is... the Florida Keys. <laughs> Every time we say it, are you going to... My all thing of... was all the key lime pie they were eating. I was like, yeah, uh, I can get behind that. Yeah, same. <laughs> um... And it was, like, making me excited for pool season and things like that. Mm. Um, yes, Little Bridge Island seems to be only existing in... These books. These books. Um, but, yeah, so it was, a, it was a nice setting. I thought... I thought the setting, even more so of the book convention, was kind of fun and getting to see behind the velvet curtain, I guess, a little bit uh, in author realm of these book conventions and you know yeah. i'm thinking meg Cabot has been to her fair share of i would imagine so these kinds of things 120,000 books <laughs> um so i thought that was kind of fun okay let's talk about the conflict and garrett what did you think of that stuff well his place in the story seemed weird to me through the whole most of the book, book. yeah um I get that, as it turned out, he was the external conflict because he really didn't have anything to do with their relationship. And they don't really have any internal conflict at all. No. I mean, once they've kind of reconciled and sleep together, um, they're they're fine after, like, from that point on. No, there's no, uh, there's no thing that comes up in their relationship at all. Mm-hmm. But, um... The whole situation with Garrett, so it's very external, and it's not even, I don't know, I kind of think they overreacted by getting the sheriff and the helicopters and everything out. I do, for. too. I mean, he was off, he's off, obviously kind of smarmy. I mean, I wouldn't want him around my teenage daughter. Or even your, yeah, your 19-year-old, which yeah. I guess is still a teenager, but. Yeah, or even... Probably even my 34-year-old daughter. <laughs> but um, I don't think I'm his type. That makes it better. He seems to like him young. Yeah. Sorry, hon. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, yes, I got that the book needed some kind of, you know. Yeah, I just like that whole situation kind of came out of nowhere and seemed really, um, I don't know, it seemed really odd. And then... Their reaction to him, I get that he was being creepy um, by having kind of an inebriated Lauren in his room, but she didn't seem like, was she supposed to be like stumbling drunk? Well, she was at least, well, they said more than tipsy is the way they described her. Okay. Okay. I don't know. I was just kind of like, well, and she is... 19. Yeah, she is of legal age. 
I don't know that you can do or say much about that other than she's just making poor life choices. And well, and he's he is being creepy and gross yeah. and you know and she's... I think he's I do I believe that in my heart of hearts he she was he was trying to schmooze her. Yeah. And um just hadn't gotten around to it yet. So yeah, yeah I get trying to nip that in the bud, but I don't know. I don't know. Just the whole the whole situation with him felt out of place and odd and sort of like anticlimactic when it all happened because it's just like oh he's in his hotel room okay he was about to like pull a fast one on this girl but he didn't which I'm not saying I'm not like I'm not trying to excuse that behavior I'm not but um because nothing happened which you know thank goodness but um it it left it feeling especially because this is the con like this is the climax of the story it felt anticlimactic yes i would agree i would agree um so because he wasn't really a mustache twirling villain he was just kind of an odd villain he was just kind of annoying and odd yeah um let's talk about sex baby this one's very mom friendly yeah like more than mom friendly because it's hinted at. And then there is a lot of references to bulges in his pants. Which for a um, very closed door. Not even fade to black. Just like straight up closed door the entire way. Um, was a little like surprising. Well and apparently. And she really wanted to like hop on that bulge Apparently his, his stubble was like. You know. Yeah. Hard on like, her little skin. <laughs> very coarse sandpaper. <laughs> That was kind of funny, that whole conversation with, like... What'd you do to her neck? (laughs) That that was really funny. Um, But, yeah, I I mean, did you you miss it? Were you fine with it? Um, I think it was in tone with the book. Yeah. Same. And, um, you know, I've read a lot of Make Habit, including her adult books. Not all of them. Does she have sex and... No. Okay, so it's always pretty. Um, she has she has this uh, series that kicks off. I don't remember what the whole series is called, but the first one is called Boy Next Door, and I loved that book. I still love that book. Um, and that is also very, like, fade to black-ish. Um, so. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't miss it because I felt it was in tone with the very light yeah. palette cleansing book. Yes. Um, what is your swooniest moment? My swooniest moment. Um, probably, I don't know. I didn't I'm going to go, um, post making out on the boat where she keeps getting all like apologetic and then him, who's always been kind of like at a loss for words and stuff, is just like. I was fine with it. Why, I, I enjoyed it. Why do you keep <laughs> apologizing? And she's like, that never going to happen again. He's like, but it can't. But it, like, I'd be okay I'd if be it okay happened. if it happened. So, yeah, because we usually don't get that. We usually get where he's also like, oh, yeah, yeah, we can't do that anymore. Yeah. Um, and I also liked, I just liked like when they went back to his house to make, and he's making her pasta and he's talking her all through it. And then he's like, never mind. <laughs> Let's just do this instead. <laughs> I want to do the other thing. Um, yeah, that was cute. Okay, um, uh, let's hear from y'all on 
what you guys think of this one. First off, we have an email from Arthur. He says, I have to say that I didn't enjoy no words nearly as much as I wanted to. What with it being the first time I've read Mag Meg Cabot's adult fiction. Well, being the answer to the question, what if Nicholas Sparks were a rom-com hero, especially with his, uh, with his insistence that he was writing literary fiction instead of romance, turned turn me off initially. Um, can't he just be honest with himself? It isn't emasculating to be a man who pens romances. I did warm up to Will over the course of the book, though. As for Joe, I found her to be a frustrating MC to follow. She displayed a surprising amount of immaturity throughout the story. Yes. yes. Starting off with her grudge against Will. Yes. Yes. I understand why his harsh take on her series would have been hurtful, but obsessing over it with so much passion that she tried to probe Will's past and unearth what it was that put him in a bad enough of a headspace to criticize her work felt juvenile and uncalled for. Yes. yes. As the book progressed, it didn't help that the enemies to lovers romance kept feeling one-sided. The book within a book snippets that we get of the moment came off as extraneous. Uh, Joe repeatedly borrowed phrases from kitty cats like what in the whiskers and perfect in her first person POV and Garrett and the Garrett subplot was jarring and forced. Yes. Um, then he says, a few relatively lighter comments I have on No Words. Joe's Kitty Cat series remind me of all the children's books I'd read when I was little, especially my favorite series, Geronimo Stilton. Due to the, s the similarity of the titles, I also kept thinking of the Caddy Kazoo Switcheroo series. I'm not familiar, not familiar with either. either of those. <laughs> I did find it to be amusing when Bernadette made fun of that scene in the moment where Johnny's inner monologue commented on how Melanie doesn't need even need a bra to keep her full breast standing at attention. Seriously, though, it's amazing how often this sort of objectification fills books written by men. Yes. Thank you, Arthur. <laughs> Whenever Bernadette's crown of stars and mist was mentioned, it evoked the crown of gilded bones from the Blood of and Ash series for me. Yeah, that yes. was <laughs> obviously that was all ringing yes. very true and then even though i couldn't get on board for no words i'd be interested in reading the previous little bridge island romances nonetheless sincerely arthur um agree with all of that agree with all of that that's a lot of that is and his series that he mentioned i am familiar i've heard of the series i just haven't read any of them the um the uh i found that off-putting for an adult even though it's her writing to use all her kitty cat phrases in yeah. in the writing in her POV was a yeah. little weird. I get what her her saying like oh whiskers. I mean just you know instead of swearing. Yeah. I get having words that you use instead of swear words. But when she would turn everything into perfect or you know using that kind of vernacular was I thought weird for a grown adult woman. I agree with that. Uh Fernanda says, this one was just a like for me. I was looking forward to reading this book because, one, Meg Cabot was one of my favorites uh, YA authors when I was growing up, loved the Princess Diaries series, and I had never read any of her adult books. Two, based on the synopsis, this book sounds much like Beach Read. That's true. Uh, three, the story happens during a book festival. I really enjoyed the scenery of Little Bridge Island and the side characters. The heroine and the hero, though, not so much. To me, Joe was childish, and her inner dialogues using weird cat phrases really annoyed me. Uh, please don't get me wrong. I am a cat lover, but using all those phrases within the story made her seem more like a teenager than a 32-year-old woman. Her supposed hatred towards him uh, feels fabricated. She can't let go of the past, accept an apology, and move on. She's incredibly immature for getting bothered by fans who said they used to love her book. As a children's book author, you ought to know that your readers are going to grow up eventually and start reading other genres. 
Will, on the other hand, never fully apologized nor explained exactly what he uh, has said and why. The romance was a real slow burner, and despite thinking there was a lack of depth and chemistry between the two main characters, it is fun when the couples get it right and all falls into place. When I started reading this book, I didn't realize that it was the third book in a series, which I haven't read the first two, but it didn't seem to matter to understand the plot, and therefore, no words sands pretty solidly on its own. Overall, it was a sweet and comfortable read, um, but far from quote-unquote perfect. (laughs) Nicely done. Nicely done. I see what you did there. Um, Yeah. Yes. Amen to all that. Um, And I get feeling that way about Will, um, that... He never fully apologized because I I have some, like I said, quibbles with like the explanations of that. Um, I will say like all the comments about. um, But at the time when he first apologizes, she doesn't deserve any more of an apology. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, her badging and badging him for more. But I guess what I'm saying is like by the end of it, when they're starting a relationship, I wanted still more at that point. Oh, we can just assume that maybe that happened off screen okay um i will say that all of the comments about like her being hurt by all the readers coming up to her and saying like i loved your books when i was younger made me like i'm sorry may cabot that i've done you so wrong because (laughs) um i haven't read as much of her adult books that she's come out with recently um and i when i was looking at the book list of, of her too i don't think i even ever finished the princess diaries series because there was like 10 books and a lot of them came out when I was in my 20s and yeah, such. Older. Um, but yeah, it's like... It's... And you moved down to stuff with more sex in them. Yeah, exactly. And you um, couldn't go back to those. No. Books, I would just but... be like... Pfft. Just because you got neck burn, that's nothing. <laughs> where's the good stuff? Um, but, uh, but yeah, as a children's book author, you should like be happy when your readers move on to yeah different genres they're not going to keep reading your kitty cat books till they're you know adults <laughs> yeah especially with the kitty cat books like i'm sorry but yeah i mean what teenager is going to well that's the thing is i kept um because i i mean i studied children's literature that was like my my emphasis in college um and so you know she kept They kept being described as middle grade. I guess they would be appropriate for middle grade, but all these teenagers are reading these books about an anthropomorphic cat, you know, teenager. And I was like, would teenagers read these? I wasn't, I don't know. I'm saying no. Um, I don't, I could see them cutting their teeth on it when they're younger. Yeah. And I could see his sister reading them as she's learning to you yeah. know, get her reading down. But, um, you know, even though she was a teenager. But, like, middle grade, I think, is, like, mm-hmm. I think even that is pushing it with an anthropomorphic cat who yeah. babysits yeah. kittens. I don't know. I agree. Just wholeheartedly. In, in my... Uh, I can't even imagine, like, I taught fifth grade for many, many years, and I can't even imagine my fifth graders reading about yeah, kitty cats. Yeah, that's kind of what I mean. So... It's like they very much look for like real world characters and yeah. they've um, kind of moved on from that at that age. Yeah. Anyway, um, 
Allison says, I really love Meg Cabot. She's almost always an instant read for me, but this one just didn't hit like the others. The conflict was early on, and so it was just building to a good relationship, which let's agree, that's what we all want, but I just didn't have what I was hoping for, like in the previous books in the series. Well, that's good to know that, like, books in the previous series have been more successful for other people. I am... I also thought it became kind of eye-rolling when, um, like, every time it turned out to be his house, his boat, his... Yeah, she's and it's shocked. Just like, okay, yeah, and she's like, what? It's like, okay. So, it's, of course, it's going to be at Will's house. And, of course, it's going to be, you know, he's going to be on the island. And I know, course... but I think to a certain degree, like, we expect those beats because we're reading a book, but... I don't know. But even in the reading, it's like, okay... <laughs> but after, like, the first two times where, she, like, as soon as she realizes that he is, like, a, on the board. On the, on the island. Yeah, and, and but, on like, the board. on the board for the book festival, she just needs to, like, accept that he is going to be very involved in all of the. Yeah, and stop being surprised. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, Jennifer says, I liked others in this series more. I loved that it took place at a book convention. I love books about books. But this was my least favorite trope of miscommunication. This has my least favorite trope of miscommunication slash misunderstanding. If either character had just sat down and spoke with the other one, things would have been better. I love all the side characters and I desperately want to visit Little Bridge Island. It was a three star read. Yeah, I agree with the miscommunication thing. Yeah. You know me, I'm all about the communication. That's right. Cassie says this was a cute and sweet story. I liked the references to all the middle grade novels and the setting felt like a vacation, but nothing about the romance really stood out to me. And I think I will most likely forget this book a day or two after reading it. I enjoyed it, but I don't think this book will stay with me. And then she adds as a note, this was my Goodreads review. It has now been six days since I finished reading the book and I confirm, can confirm that I have, in fact, forgotten everything about the book. <laughs> Cassie, that's why we re read the book and then immediately record. We can't read a book in between. <laughs> no. In fact, a lot of times I finish like a couple days before mom and I'm like, I don't remember anything about this book. So you're going to have to, like, lead the conversation on this one. Um, Sarah says this was cute. It was a quick, easy read. I don't feel strongly about the characters. Either way, it was a like, but not a love. Agreed. Yeah. Ruthie says, first of all, I found this book really hard to put down and loved all the insights group into authors' lives and loved seeing them support each other. I found myself reading this at work after I started it just to see what happened. I love a book that pulls you in like that. I also liked the idea that Will had made a mistake and was trying to make up for it and the news that he had basically brought her there and sort of, maybe, definitely did all of it for her. It gave me some kind of billionaire vibes, but not in an annoying way. So all the way through the book, I read eagerly and it wasn't until the end that I felt a little bit like, um, wait, so they are dating? She got her dad a place, but she's going to stay with Will when she visits? It moved it from soulmates pining for each other to a little bit more like real life, which is cool, I guess, but that left me a little bit let down. So that coupled with the closed door and not as much delving into the angst that I guess I was personally invested in made it more of a really like versus a love. A few months ago, I read Seven Days in June based on a no yomo free-for-all, Jen, and just loved it so much. 
Since it was also writers and a public romance, it reminded me of this. However, Seven Days had all of the angst and passion and more of a happy ending that I crave. This one was more of a comedy version of that, but still really, really good and a great escape. I'm not sure I've read Meg Cabot before, but of course I've seen The Princess Diaries. Are all of her books more closed door or YA? I don't mind the closed door. I just wanted more angst. I would say to that, yes and yes. She either has, from my experience, closed door adult or YA or even some middle grade books is her MO book catalog. Um, and yeah, I kind of felt, and I think that kind of added to like the anticlimactic nature for me is the whole thing with Garrett. And then in the end, it's just like, they're sort of visiting each other. I don't know. Yeah. Like I was kind of expect, especially because all throughout the book, she kept talking about like, well, not all through the book, but towards the end of the book, she starts saying more comments like, I, it feels like home and yeah. all these things. I just things. feel like I belong here. Even when, and when he was hugging her and kissing her, she's like, oh, I just, this feels so right. And I just feel this is my place. And then it's like, okay, I'm going home to New York. Yeah. And so, um, I don't know, like I was expecting her to at least be like, I didn't expect her to like move in with him, but, um. Find a place with her dad and yeah. and live on the island with her dad. I mean, she's a writer. She can do that from anywhere. Yeah. True. All of that. Um, Jill says, this was okay. I listened to the audiobook late last year, and I really don't remember what happened. I have read the first two books and wasn't a big fan of those either, so it is probably just me. I do remember being kind of annoyed by all the cat stuff, like saying things like, what in the whiskers? And this book coming from a self-proclaimed, uh, and this is coming from a self-proclaimed crazy self-proclaimed crazy cat lady. Say that five times fast. <laughs> um, I used to be a big fan of Meg Cabot's non-YA books, but that was before I dipped my toes in the romance genre. I felt this a bit lacking in comparison to things I've read in the past couple of years. Yeah, I was kind of curious about that because like I said, I loved Boy, Me Boy Next Door, but that was kind of before I really started um, getting into, you know, all that the romance genre has to offer. So I was kind of um, wondering how I would feel about it. But I think I would have, like, the rose-colored glasses of nostalgia, even if I went back and read it, because I did love that book. Um, yeah, in fact, I remember reading that. I So um, <laughs> this is going to get me in trouble, I think. But um, there was – there's – for our church, there was a class that you would do before school that was kind of like a Sunday school class. And um, I remember reading that book in that class. Mm. And it was maybe the year that well, I... I was going to say, maybe that's why you got the grade you got. <laughs> no, that is not the reason I got the grade <laughs> that I got. Because there are people doing way worse than that in that class than me reading a closed door romance novel. And I didn't do it all the time. I just remember reading it while I was like sitting and waiting for it to start. Anyway, um, Catherine says, so apparently unpopular opinion, but I loved it. While I respect that other people have different favorite books in this series, for me, the parallels between Joe's career and the whole reason so many readers fell in love with Meg Cabot's books in the first place are too delightful to pass up. Uh, I feel really passionate about children's book with books with bright covers and charming 
funny stories kids love that aren't considered for awards, but I have a million dog ears and kids trying to read them during class. Will's original stance on them, while incorrect, is a stance tons of otherwise reasonable people have have about graphic novels, romance novels, and other quote-unquote fun books. Yes, like I was saying. When thinking about books for the spring reading list, I took into consideration that many no-yomos wanted to mix things up trope-wise, and so I thought a book where the conflict is a magic trick gone wrong would be a good way to shake things up. Personally, I do not want everyday... Every book I read to be earth-shattering. Honestly, over 50% of the books I read should be balm for my soul. I would consider this a a high-quality beach read, which I guess is obvious since it's set in the Florida Keys. Little Bridge sounds so charming. In another author's hands, the book would be more angsty considering Will is raising his sister and Joe is looking for housing for her dad. Also, in another author's hands, what would break Joe's creative block would be a literary masterpiece in a completely different tone and genre than her beloved series. But Meg Cabot really was the perfect person to write this. Hopefully, this one is a slump buster for anyone eating in a reading slumps, but or otherwise just a good time. And I would say I'm not angry. I read it. Um, I had fun with it, and uh, there's things I liked about it. And you're right; it's it's very light palate cleanser yeah and so I'm not mad at it no and and like I said at the beginning I did enjoy reading it it's just um I had these quibbles with it and correct anytime that happens it sounds like we're just dumping on it yeah uh Tiernan says this was not a love for me more like a meh the constant cat comments like whiskers and meow irritated me I get she wrote a children's series, but it was too much the whole Garrett subplot wasn't necessary and I didn't like that it implied younger women uh, that it implied young women. Too creepy. Kelly Jean and Bernadette were annoying side characters, and I don't feel they added to the plot. I needed more character development for Will, and to be honest, I didn't get the chemistry between them. It fell flat, and it was really a happy for now. Joe was an okay heroine, although a little immature, but I do have some things I liked. Saul and Franny, the book cover, and the Florida Keys setting at a library book festival. Um... Yeah. Okay, I disagree on Kelly Jean and Bernadette. I thought they were fun. Um, but I don't disagree on the chemistry between them being a bit flat. I would agree with that too. Well, anytime like she just has to go on and on about how good looking he is all the time. And it's like I need more than just you falling for him because he's good looking. I need more of a build up. And yeah, he was doing nice things, but well, and then you also don't entirely ever get, like we said, why he's into her. Yeah, like ever. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so she's like, oh, you know, you start thinking, you know, is the fact that he paid her $10,000 to come to this thing? Is that why she's, I don't know. She's just, oh, he's so nice. And it's mm-hmm. like, mm, I don't know. I Yeah, I wasn't feeling it either. Yeah. Rachel says, this was an okay book. Some parts made me laugh, but I was also bored during parts. While listening, I was yelling at them to just talk to each other. That really bugged me. Yeah, that's always the case. Uh, Victoria says, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it either. I think it was a short, pleasant, but easily forgettable book. Good for a busy week when you want something not too committal. That is very true, which is exactly what I needed. So I think maybe in another week, I might have been a little more angry at it, but this was perfect because you buzz through it. Yeah. I found Garrett's subplot a bit out of place with the story, or maybe I was expecting a very light, bubbly book and the hint 
to a sexual predator wasn't what I had in mind. <laughs> I also felt that the chemistry between the main characters was lacking. It would have been more believable for me if they had met more than once before the conflict or even had been friends, especially since he wrote a book with her in mind. A bit creepy. And even for a cat lover as me, if she would have dropped the cat comments after chapter three, it would have been perfect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. there was a bit too much cat comments. And I'm not a cat person, so especially wasn't. Well, it just, to me, it just seemed like not the way a grown woman would talk to herself. Because, I mean, we're getting her POV. So yeah. it just seemed like not the way you would. It seems like, and then she even used them, like, it seems like she, it's something she would put on for, like, you know, talking with fans and things like that as kind of like a gimmick. But she even did it when she was talking with her friends. Yeah, I know. I agree. Yes, that's, I am, I, that's what I'm saying. It was too much. It was almost like, um, girl, you might need some therapy. Oh, she was seeing she a therapist. She was seeing a therapist. Um, and then finally, Jen says, I thought this was a super, this was super cute. It's like a light rom com version of Beach Read. I'm a sucker for books about writers. It was fun seeing behind the scenes of a book fair. I love all the shade um, Meg Cabot throws at Nicholas Sparks. Yeah. I think we can all agree that Will is modeled off of Sparks for sure. Uh, for example, this quote was pure fire. Quote, Will insisted in interviews, not that I'd read any of them. Well, all right, I might have skimmed one or two. That his books were tragic love stories, but not romance novels. Oh, no, definitely not that, because he was a man, and most male authors of adult books would slit their own throats before admitting they'd written a romance or women's fiction or even a family drama. Everything they wrote, many of them insisted, was literary fiction. Unless, of course, it was sci-fi, horror, or mystery. So nauseating. End quote. Anyways, this was a light, fun read. And with all the stuff happening in the world, light, fun, and silly was very refreshing. That is also true. <laughs> um, yeah, I think anything angsty would have been yeah, a bit rough this week. <laughs> yeah. For many reasons. But, um... Yeah. I mean, I was fine, but Ellen was... <laughs> well, and and she's referring to everything going on in the world. Oh, yes. That's true, too. And, um, and yes, this is also true. Um, so, uh, kind of polarizing, this one. Um, but I think it all just kind of depends on what expectations you went in with. Um, and I think that as a light, frothy read... This fulfills the brief. Yeah. For sure. Um, so, yeah. Take that for what it is. Any final thoughts from you? Um, no, I think it's been covered. Yeah. Um, so those are our thoughts and some of your thoughts on No Words by Meg Cabot. We would love to hear more from you on our Facebook page, our Facebook group, which is Not Your Mom's Facebook group, our Goodreads group, our Twitter and Instagram, which are both at Not Your Mom's Rom. Um, or you can email us at notyourmomsromancebookclub at gmail.com. So if you want to read along with us and email us with your thoughts or if you would like to suggest a book for us to read, we'd love to hear from you. On March 14th, we will be chatting about The Making of a Highlander by Elisa Braden. Remember, you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever your favorite podcasts are sold for free. Don't forget to leave a review because it helps the show and we just love to read them. Alright, thanks, Mom. You're welcome, Ellen. Bye. Bye. Not Your Mom's Romance Book Club is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more outstanding podcasts to subscribe to at frolic.media slash podcasts.